Welcome back to the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast. I am Dr. Kaval Bhava and I am here to transform your life. Make sure you support the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast and leave me a 5-star review. Do tell me what you like about the podcast when you leave me the review. I'm always so happy to read what you have to say. I also love getting your emails. You can always email me at askme@drsexfairy.com. And if you don't already follow my superhead Dr. Sex Fairy TikTok account, with over 32 million views at the time of this recording what are you waiting for now let's talk about today's episode we are talking about sugar daddies and sugar babies we chuckle about them we wonder how the arrangement works i know that you have many questions about how exactly these relationships come to be and how they work out there is a stereotype that we all think of when it comes to these relationships We think of a rich older man and a very very young woman who is having sex in return for gifts and money. But is that really the case? Are all sugar babies having sex for money or is it a genuine love at least some of the time? Are they even having sex? Dr. Marin Skull from the University of Colorado published a study in 2019 about the subject titled It's its own thing. a typology of interpersonal sugar relationship scripts the study was based on 48 in-depth interviews with women who had been sugar babies dr skull identified seven types of sugar relationships only one of which can be considered prostitution these relationship types included sugar prostitution compensated dating compensated companionship sugar dating sugar friendships sugar friendships with benefits and pragmatic love she found that 40% of the participants in her study had never even had sex with their benefactor it's interesting to find out this statistic because i would have thought that the number of sugar babies having sex with sugar daddies was much higher my guest today is marcus who is the host of the number one sugar dating podcast in the world secrets of a sugar daddy After a 16-year marriage, he found himself divorced and navigating the world of traditional dating apps rather unsuccessfully. And then he discovered sugar dating. Now, he happily lives the life of a sugar daddy and has a hit podcast to boot. Buckle up, listeners. This is going to be a fun one. Welcome to the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast, Marcus. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm a huge fan and I cannot wait to have you on my show because you sound like a little bit of an expert yourself. I'm oh. not sure how you got there so quickly. <laughs> well, I'm a bit of Those a are good stats though. They're very interesting. Yes, those are good stats. So tell me, let's yeah. start with the basics. What is sugar dating? Sugar dating basically is compensated dating. I mean, it's pretty simple. I'm bribing you to go out with me. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, it all started. I mean, sugar dating's been going on forever, right? I mean, even Marilyn Monroe has this famous uh quote, and I will quote it to you because it's so good. She says, "Don't you know that a man being rich is like a girl being pretty? You wouldn't marry a girl just because she's pretty, but my goodness, doesn't it help?" Isn't that funny? <laughs> so, I noticed from the very beginning, even as a child, You know, you see very beautiful and put together women and they're with a, a, an older gentleman and sometimes you know, he's not much of a looker and you think what does that guy got? 
how did he attract such a beautiful woman? And then, you know, sometimes they are very attractive, but why wouldn't you want to date someone that's successful? It's a very attractive quality, right? So here I am divorced, starting over. How the hell do I meet someone, right? I'm starting over. I'm not a big guy or a big bar guy, right? I'm not going to walk into a bar, spend my evening trying to hit on women. It's just not my scene. And I don't really have all the good pickup lines. And, and if I did, they, they sound exactly like that pickup line. So that's not my scene. I'd, I'd rather, and I'm too busy anyway. So online dating works very well for me. So the problem was I downloaded a few apps, swiped right, swiped right, swiped right, and I couldn't get any matches. Or the matches that I was making just weren't very high-quality people. Um, it just There's just not enough information there. So I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to start dating again if – if I've showed up on a couple dates off of, you know, like Tinder or Bumble or a couple of these others, I'm just really disappointed. So I discovered a site that offered um, sugar dating and I'd never done it before, but I, you know, I'd worked really hard all my life and I'd accumulated some wealth and I don't, I love helping people. Like it, it actually brings joy to my soul to help somebody. And if somebody needs a little bit of help financially and they'll go on a date with me, that then that's perfect. That like, that was a great formula. And all of a sudden I found that I signed up for the dating app and people were messaging me because now there's a, a real interest for them because they have something to gain financially. And when I would go through and I would find some profiles that I was attracted to and I messaged them, by God, they messaged me back. It was amazing. So I found myself actually having a lot of dates. Now, sugar dating isn't for everybody because it's kind of expensive. I mean, just going on a regular date is expensive. Wouldn't you agree? Like two, 300 bucks, $400. Oh yeah. Just for a nice meal and some drinks. I mean, it adds up quickly, but again, like I said, I had some, some means and I didn't mind helping somebody out financially if they would just accompany me for a night and let's have a great conversation. And if it leads to sex, that's fantastic. If it doesn't, well, that's not, you know, that's not a deal breaker because I'm not paying for sex. I'm paying basically paying for companionship and I am paying for, you know, and I, I'm actually helping somebody financially that I want to see over and over and over. I, I, these people I actually do have a connection with. So it's not just a one and done. Thank you, ma'am. See you later right? I actually try to find people that I have chemistry with. I enjoy being around. I enjoy talking to if they need some mentorship that brings a lot of joy in my life is helping somebody succeed. Cause you know, I'm older. I've seen a lot, you know, how your parents are very smart. As you get older, you find out that they did know some things, right? So I'm kind of at that age and the younger girls and, you know, and they don't have to be that much younger, but they do appreciate the mentorship and the the guidance and the wisdom that you bring to the to the table, along with the financial assistance. So how exactly is this different from a high end escort service? The fact that you have a bit of a connection with them long term? Yeah, you're looking like I'm actually looking for long term arrangements. You know, in the sugar dating world, we call them arrangements or we give them an allowance. And you know what? I was married for 16 years. I was the breadwinner. 
I took care of my wife financially. I bought her car. I paid for the house. I paid for everything. I had, and after we broke up, I did have a girlfriend for a little while. Same thing. I helped her with her rent. I helped her with her car payment. I took her out. We had a great time. What's the difference if you call them a sugar baby? I'm helping them the exact same way. I'm helping them with their rent or finances or whatever. We're still having a great time. Now, what I like about sugar dating is it is it takes away a lot of the pressure of a relationship. So what I found was when I was meeting people on some of these dating apps, they're looking for a guy to marry. Now, not that people who are sugar dating aren't looking for a guy to marry, but there's like that added pressure from the very beginning. I kind of feel like in the back of their mind, they're thinking, is this, is this the guy for me? Can I see us long-term? Can I possibly in the future introduce him to the family? But with sugar dating, there's no pressure. Like you're out to enjoy life. Let's go to dinner. Let's go to a concert. Let's go to a festival. Even let's travel, enjoy ourselves. When we get home, you go your way. I go my way. And let's keep in touch and do it again. And if it leads to something, fantastic. But that pressure is not there from the very beginning. So it keeps things very simple for you. Yeah. And I, I like it. It's just, I had a two and a half year arrangement with a young lady and it started out simple enough. We did exactly that. We traveled together. We, we did so many fun things. Well, she was in her thirties and had some kids and she started pressuring me towards marriage. And I actually bought into the idea. Like I, I loved her to death, right? Cause we spent so much time together. We got to know each other really well. So I said, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's work for Let's work towards marriage. That was the beginning of the end. It absolutely just killed the relationship, oddly enough, because now we started fighting. Like, how come I'm texting you in the morning and you're not texting me first? And I'm like, really, it's come down to this. Like who's texting who in the morning first? Like we never fought about that stuff before. It's just so much added pressure. And I'm not saying that it wouldn't have worked eventually, but it was kind of an eye opener. Like, wow, when you actually make the commitment to work towards something, you know, like marriage or even to move in together, it just changes the whole relationship. And I just wasn't, I'd forgotten how that was because I'd been out in the dating world for a while. And um, when the marriage ended, I just was out there trying to rediscover myself and enjoy life again. So yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. So now do you think you've been damaged? Do you think you could ever have a standard relationship and be married? <laughs> I, I think sugar dating may have corrupt me because I so enjoy dating without the drama that so, comes with traditional dating. So probably not going to date traditionally and probably not going to marry. No, I, you know, and that's the thing. I'm, I'm never going to rule that out. I'm always hoping my, my uh, princess will show up on a white horse, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we dreamed about that as kids. We were taught, you know, find a good girl, settle down, get married, have kids, and life is wonderful. Well, I didn't get married until I was in my 30s, but when I was in my late 20s, I looked around. All my friends who chased that dream and got married and had kids, they were all divorced. They were all in the same position as I was, single, except they had all this baggage. And I'm just thinking, is this a fairy tale? Yeah. Now, I know there's people that have wonderful marriages. Now, don't get me wrong. And it's it's very biblical and it's, you know, and we're kind of built on, you know, a society that values marriage and I value marriage. 
I just don't know if it's for me. I just don't know. Do you have kids? I don't. My ex-wife could not have kids. We thought about adopting, but we knew our marriage wasn't very strong and we we just weren't getting along. And we, we kind of had that feeling it was about to end. So we didn't want to bring kids into that situation. Maybe if you had kids, you'd be looking for a more traditional relationship because then you'd have well, other the people involved. Well, the problem is is my parents and many people I talked to stayed together only because of the kids. They were miserable, right? It does happen. How many people do you talk to? They're like, oh, I can't stand my husband. But I mean, we, we've got so much invested and we're, we got the kids and, you know, it's just, they just bear with it and they're just absolutely miserable. And I, you know what? Life is short. I'm not going to live life miserable. No, no, nobody should be miserable. Now, there right. are some straight money for sex sugar relationships. Have you ever had one of those? Money for sex is basically just prostitution. And I am looking for a lot more than that. I value a balanced relationship. I found out that I was pretty much a sapiosexual and I had to look that word up when I first started sugar dating. <laughs> but I do value genuine, intelligent conversation. And that makes everything so much better going forward. It makes the bedroom fun even, you know, more exciting because now you've developed a connection to that person and some chemistry. I've had plenty of sex with no connection. And it's, you know, as you know, it's not all as cracked up to be. It's very unfulfilling. Yes, so that's, that's where not I come for. into the scene, right? As Dr. Sex Fairy, making dreams come <laughs> true differently. So now yeah. sugar dating is basically legal unless it's the prostitution kind. So yeah. that's We're a question I know people have. We're not trading money for sexual yeah. favors. Yeah. yeah. Because if it happens, it happens organically. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now I find yeah. that that statistic that you said about 40% of the sugar babies don't have sex with their sugar daddies. Um, I would imagine it would be lower, but you know. I'm not sure what the size, the case, the sample size well, was you know, on that. But. She only spoke to about 48 women, I believe. So okay. I'm assuming that that's not a very big sample size. Well, I was a good personally surprised. According to my professor in college, it was about 600. Yeah, so we're far from 600 here. But you know, yeah. an interesting study nonetheless. And um, so tell me, now you're finding a lot of these women online, clearly on the Sugar Daddy websites, what are mm -hmm. you looking for in a dating profile? Well, they have to have a certain, you have to be attracted to them physically. There's plenty of great people out there, but if you're not attracted physically, I mean, that is one component. I also look for intelligence. You know, if somebody, if somebody has a profile that's full of misspellings and bad grammar, pass, because that is indicative of exactly how they're going to show up and kind of rough. So yeah, I'm just really looking for somebody that I can go to events and like I said, concerts and dinner and have intelligent conversation. And, you know, they've, they, to me, they, you have to be attracted to them because really a woman is the ultimate man's accessory, right? Some people might say that's a very sexist thing to say. Just playing it, the devil's it's advocate. A true thing. Yeah, but I mean, the truth is the truth. Like you see any athlete, you see any actor, you see any person of wealth there for the most part, their their partner is a very attractive, fit woman. And it's just the way it is. 
No, I do see that. I just probably take offense to the word accessory because, you know, as a woman, and especially as a woman who's worked hard in her own life, that's just, mm-hmm. the concept is a little difficult. <laughs> but what guy doesn't want to walk into an event or a party or with his friends with a, with a beautiful, attractive, intelligent woman on his arm? Oh, I get that one. Right. So, so now tell me, online dating can be hard on a good day. How do you yeah. vet someone who is openly after what your money can do for them? That's the beautiful thing. We already know that. It's already out there in the, in the no, open. No, I know, but how do you vet them? How do you make sure that this is somebody who isn't going to embarrass you, who isn't going to, I don't know, somebody who's discreet? I guess the first meeting? Yeah. I always have, I always meet somebody for a drink or two. I quit doing dinner dates because what happens when they show up and you're, you think, you think, I just made a big mistake here. Now you got to sit there for an hour and a half with dinner with somebody you're absolutely not attracted to and you don't want to be there with. So I prefer meeting them for a drink at a bar or, you know, just somewhere kind of um, less formal and just chatting and just to see, because I can't tell you how many times they do look exactly like their photo, but in person, it's just not there. And then I've had many people who they show up and in person, they're so much better. And all of a sudden you just, the the chemistry and the sparks and you're like, wow, (laughs) no offense, but your pictures don't do you justice. Right. And that's happened to me quite a few times. So the initial meeting is kind of where you vet them. Yeah. And try to get on the same page and see if you want to go forward with it. So when you take all the fluff away, is everybody just using the other person? I mean, you, them, and them, you. Yeah, it's transactional. Transactional. You know, when you boil it down, sure. They're there because you've basically bribed them to show up. And they're, but I can't tell you though, how many people are really looking for love in that space, men and women. They are hoping to find their knight in shining armor, their successful man that they've always dreamed of marrying that can take care of them. Now, there are plenty of sugar mamas too. I mean, there's lots of successful women, you being one of those. I'm not saying you're a sugar mama, but you're a very successful, beautiful woman. And there, you know, there's plenty of, of those out there also. But for the most part, in traditional society, men have been the breadwinner. Well, thank you for the compliment. Uh, and <laughs> there are men who want me to be their sugar mama. Hasn't worked very well for them yet. <laughs> so according to the website, sugarbabiesonline.com, 48% mm-hmm. of sugar babies are 18 to 22 years old, and 42% of sugar daddies are 40 to 50 years old. And there's quite the age difference there. Isn't it hard yeah. to find a meaningful relationship with somebody who's 30 plus years this or that way age-wise? I thought the same thing. When I first started, I had the same concerns. And I'm, I'm going to tell you a quick story. And the, she's still a big part of my life. So when I first got on the site six years ago, I had a girl message me. She was 21 years old. She, would, she grew up in a very sheltered family, didn't watch a lot of TV, didn't even know who the Brady Bunch was as I was trying to explain to her my family dynamic. And I'm thinking, oh, man, there is a disconnect here. But she wanted to meet me for, for dinner. And I said, look, I don't know if I have anything in common with a 21-year-old. I'm 48 years old. 
she goes, I, I love your profile. I think we will just have a great conversation. And I just really, really want to meet you. So I met her conversation was wonderful. She is a beautiful girl, very driven. She did some charity work for cleft palate children and just had a heart of gold. But that's kind of where it ended. Like I didn't ask her out on her further date just because she was so young and I just felt like there was too much of a gap. But what an interesting story that she told me is she was living in Georgia at the time and she had met a 70 year old man from New York online and he was impotent, but he loved her company and he would fly her up to New York. She had dinner with the Trumps before they were, he was president. She had dinner and met lots of famous high profile people. And over six months he had given her $50,000 in cash that she said her parents didn't know about and she didn't know what to do with it. So she was actually asking me for advice on how to invest it and what to do with it. And I told her about some companies that I was involved with. And she later, she wanted to meet for drinks and says, Hey, I want to give you my $50,000 and have you invest it. So this is coming from a 21 year old. Well, she ended up eventually getting married to a man that she met on the site who is 30 something years older. They have two kids now and just living a wonderful life here in uh, Arizona. So, and we talk all the time. She is so mature for her age. And I learn so much from her, even though she's 30 years younger than me. Mm. So I don't discount age at this point because they can learn a lot from me and I can learn a lot from them. And I love the energy of youth. Does and I'm very youthful know? myself. Does the husband know she's talking to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've met her husband. Really? Yeah. And he knows yeah, that you I, were her sugar daddy before. Well, no, we never we Discuss never that. got into any arrangement. We had dinner and we, that's where it ended. But we remained friends. Okay, OK. And I've yeah, I've met her husband now and um, we've talked business and uh, he's a very successful gentleman. And it's a great contact for me. Actually, her husband is. Imagine that. See, who yeah. knew? So so now after that encounter, I don't discount the youth. Now, I'm not my search isn't that low. Like when I go online, my search is a little bit higher age range. But if somebody contacts me and I find them attractive and they look like a genuine person, yeah, I don't uh, I don't discount that. Well, I have dated somebody younger, but it was not off a site. I just met him in everyday life. Yeah. So, so he thought I was younger and I thought he was older. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. But anyway, that said, now, is it okay to date multiple people while in sugar relationships since it's just an arrangement? Yeah, you'll find that most actually do because sugar daddies and sugar babies, they come and they go. Uh, what people complain about the most, what the sugar babies complain about the most is they'll have an arrangement with a gentleman and let's say a month goes by and you know, there's another shiny object that he goes after. All of a sudden her allowance is cut off. Maybe she was had a $4,000, $8,000 a month allowance and then she's cut off. So it's unfortunate that, you know, that she's put into that position, but you just can't count on that income coming in forever. You know, no, I get it. Relationships no. come and they go. Yeah, they come and they go. But what happens when you're well connected like you are and people see your sugar relationship your sugar baby <laughs> with you and then 
another night they see her with someone else. It's a small world. Well, men are actually looked upon differently when they're toting around various beautiful women versus when the women are showing up with various men. Mm-hmm. And that, again, that's just a societal thing. It doesn't hurt our reputation, actually. It, um, like my buddies from the club, they'll see my stories and occasionally I'll, you know, have a little sneak peek of who I'm with that night. And then I'll show up to play golf and they're like, wow, where did you find this one? <laughs> you know, so it almost elevates my status with them. No, my question was actually a little different. My question was, since the sugar babies are also playing in the same pool, have you mm-hmm. ever had a point where you've crossed paths with a friend or an acquaintance and your gal pal is on his arm? <laughs> that would be awkward, but no, I have not. I have had past sugar babies come to me and ask me about a gentleman um, that they are seeing, and I've known that gentleman. And so I have some words of advice, but no, I, I, I haven't actually had that happen. That I was just be, thinking that would be a little awkward. Yeah. Yeah. My brain goes in those places. So based on statistics, <laughs> no, I love it. Most sugar daddies make at least $250,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And the average sugar daddy spends about four to five grand a month on his sugar baby. How yeah. do you negotiate an allowance? You know, everyone's different and it depends on their availability the connection. There's just a lot of factors that go into it, uh, how attracted you are to them. You know, I probably spend double that per month. Wow. I know. I know. When I look at that number, I'm thinking, (laughs) what are you doing? But you know, I'm having the time of my life. I really am. And I can afford it. So, you know, it is what it is. I, that's just, and my goodness, I interviewed a sugar baby the other day out of Miami and her friend met a billionaire on the site and the stories that they told were unbelievable. I can only imagine. Obviously, obviously I look like pocket change to somebody that has a billion dollars. And yeah. Now I'm assuming these women know your real name and they know where you live. Eventually. Yeah. Not an issue. Yeah. I use um a secondary number. I wouldn't call it fake because it's it's a real number, but I use a a Google voice number to kind of vet people. I don't need them knowing my real number and getting sideways with me and blowing up my phone. So uh, eventually once I become comfortable with them, yeah, I'll share my, my information, but uh, I don't mind sharing my real name uh, fairly quickly. Uh, Sometimes I'll just give them my first name and they, they don't know my last name, but you know, I have a business to protect. I have a reputation to protect. So, you know, I do have to vet these people. And I try to do background, a little bit of background research on every single person that I get into a financial commitment with. And the other thing is it's so easy to find basic information nowadays. You don't even have to pay people to do a full-fledged background check to find out a lot of dirt on people. Yes. Well, being a landlord, I can skip trace about anybody. <laughs> I bet you can. So that that is a skill that has come in handy while sugar dating. Now, what happens if the relationship turns truly toxic? Has that happened to you? I've had a few relationships turn toxic. Actually, my assistant had a sugar daddy relationship that went very toxic and it got physical and uh, abusive. And she had to get out of that one. You know, there's as with any dating relationship as you get close and as people 
live together or, you know, sometimes things turn and unfortunate that men with money and power haven't done the research or the, the self-development on how to treat a woman and how to deal with relationship issues. A lot of times they think that their, their success and their, their money is, you know, basically trumps all that, but it doesn't in the end, it really doesn't. So that's what our podcast addresses so much on, Hey, even though this is compensated dating is still dating. These are still relationships. These are still people that have feelings. You still have to treat them respectfully. And here's some ways to do that and get through tough situations. And that's why you're the number one sugar <laughs> podcast in the world. Yeah, I actually love it. We, we really enjoy and we get into some crazy stories that not only I have been involved with, but my co-host and my guests are involved with on a weekly, daily basis. And, you know, we learn, we, we, we laugh about these situations and we, but we learn and we grow. And, you know, I hope in the end, we all become better daters and better human beings. I think everybody's story is important. And, right. and it's nice when we can share different points of view and different lifestyles. I mean, there are swingers, there are, you know, sugar relationships, there's standard heterosexual relationships, you know, monogamous ones, there's polyamory. They're all over the board, yeah. There's, there's right. everything. So why not know each other's story? Maybe we'll be better at the end of it. Maybe if not, because we start, you know, becoming part of their lifestyle, at least we're sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. It's sensitive to other points of view. Now, yeah. are a lot of sugar daddies married and having sex on the side with sugar babies or are these mostly single men? There are a lot of married men. This is kind of a touchy subject. One of my co-hosts, she actually prefers married men because she's a very busy girl and it and it she doesn't have time for the, the traditional relationships. She does sometimes say that, well, it's kind of lonely, though, because he leaves, he goes back home to his wife and children. Sometimes the wife knows, many times the wife does not. Oddly enough, after interviewing lots of sugar babies and sugar daddies, we find out that many times it makes the marriage stronger because he doesn't want to leave his wife. He does not want to leave his kids, but he's got this huge hole that is not being fulfilled and he's finding the fulfillment and he goes back to his house, a happier, better person. Again, I grew up in a very biblical family and I struggle with this part because, you know, of the ethics and the morals, but it's just, I keep hearing it over and over and over uh, from all these people I interview that they don't want to leave their wives, but they, they just need this fulfillment to make them a, you know, a feel more uh, complete. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Now, how do, oh, how do sugar daddies keep up with their very young nubile girlfriends physically in the bed? <laughs> you know, I, um, <laughs> that's a really good question. I always wondered that I, as a young male, in my twenties and thirties, I wondered when I would lose it. And, uh, I am 54 years old now and I probably <laughs> am as wound up as I've ever been. I just, I don't know when that's going to be. Now I know there are all kinds of sexual issues and you deal with a lot of those, but, uh, we were at, I was at my country club the other day and, 
one of my friends asked a, a guy who was 75 and he says, Barry, Barry, when am I going to stop masturbating? <laughs> and Barry looked at him and he's like, I don't know. <laughs> You're a lucky man. I don't know. You're a very lucky man because <laughs> at least 50% of men at your age are having erectile dysfunction issues. In fact, it starts very young, 20% of men it's in their 20s. Huh? Yeah. It's 10% wow. for every decade of life. And often men don't even realize that there's been a decline in function until much later. And many of them avoid the discussion entirely because I also do penis enlargement, as you know. And they'll come in sometimes for a discussion about penis enlargement and I'll ask them about function because I refuse to do penis enlargement on anybody without having a conversation first. I mean, this is still a doctor-patient relationship. Sure. So I'll ask them about their erectile function. Oh, no, no, I have no problems, no problems. I What's say, embarrassing? Absolutely no problems. No, absolutely no problems. I say, okay, are you mm -hmm. having the same sex you were having 30 years ago? Well, I'm not having sex like I was 30 years ago, not even close. I said, well, then <laughs> you clearly have some problems, my friend. So I, I just mm. wonder when I think about sugar daddies and sugar babies, because a younger woman's Maybe. more often than not friskier and the man more often than not has declining function. And maybe why that statistic is a little higher than I was anticipating where you said 40%, because if the average sugar daddy is between 40 and 50, did you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, and you're saying in that age range and, and up is where most of the uh, ED is becoming an issue. Erectile. Yeah. 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 So maybe it is relevant. Now, mm. the thing is that it doesn't have to be that way, though, because there's so much out there that can be done in today's day and age from erectile dysfunction treatments like, you know, acoustic wave therapy, no downtime. If anything, you go have a better time that night after, you know, I've done your treatment. Uh, pee shots. Um, I use exosomes in my in my office. And of course, enlargement. There's so much to do that really nobody has to go down without a fight. And it's a it's a damn good fight, too. You can achieve That's why a lot. I can't wait to have you on my show because <laughs> men, they, they need to know this information. Yeah, no, it's, it's very nice. And we nice. have quite the audience, yeah. Yeah, I know you have quite the audience. And the funny thing is that I see more men than I see women. Everybody mm -hmm. assumes that I do more vaginal rejuvenation. I'd say I see about 70, 80% male patients. So Interesting, yeah. yeah. So I, I applaud them, though. At least they're coming. They realize there's a problem, and then they want to fix it. So better than sitting at home suffering, not having sex with your sugar baby, might as well come get treated so you can take full advantage <laughs> of the situation, right? Right. Now, you mentioned sugar mamas, and you mentioned yeah. that I probably fit the profile of a sugar mama. And there are sugar mamas, but there are a lot fewer sugar mamas than there are sugar daddies, even in women with money. Is it you think? Is it probably because women prefer traditional roles? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I still have yet to interview one. So we are trying to get one on the show. If you are one, please contact us. I have lots of questions because they're almost like unicorns are very hard to find. Yeah. Now, a sugar mama I've, I've read um, is basically doing the same things you're doing. Not always publicly though because she doesn't want to be judged mm -hmm. i mean not that you're announcing to the world this is a sugar baby but a woman doesn't necessarily want to be seen with a man 30 40 years younger true 
Because that's a, and like a red flag. And most women don't prefer younger men. What I hear all the time is from the 20-year-olds, the, the girls in their 20s, they're like, I just can't date guys my age. They're just not very mature. And then I hear that from the 30-year-olds. Oh, guys my age are not that mature. Same from the 40-year-olds. And I'm thinking, when do men ever mature? <laughs> <laughs> or do they? But, you know, when I was a, a, a freshman or sophomore in high school, I could never get the girls I wanted. All the really cute cheerleaders and girls in the drill team and the dance clubs, they always dated the seniors, the juniors and the seniors. I could never get them interested in because they looked at us as little boys. And then when I was a senior in high school, I felt like the king of the world. I had the pick of the freshman, the sophomore, the junior girls. And it was so fun. And I, I never had a problem getting a girlfriend. But then you know what happened? I graduated and became a freshman again. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, no 19, 20 year old girls wanted to go out with a 19, 20 year old boy. They always they like the older men. But now you're back to being a senior and having your pick. And now I am a senior again. And I've got my pick of the 20s, the 30s and the 40 year olds and even the 50 year olds. There you go. So, and you can actually afford to have a good time. Yeah. So it's it, I'll tell you what. I never thought I would have so much fun being in my 50s. You know, you, you look at it as a as a youth and your parents turn 50 and you think they're so old and they're just over the hill. And what do they have left in life? <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, I'm really having the time of my life. You know, you're right. When I was younger and my mom was 40, I thought she was so old. Right and now I'm 44 and I don't feel <laughs> old. <laughs> no. And my mom, she passed away. Uh, at 76 from breast cancer just last year, God bless her soul. But she even said, you know, towards her day, she's like, my mind still feels very young and she was still very energetic and she was still searching for cures and doing everything she could. Um, but just her, her energy was um, so amazing to be around. And she just told me many times, I don't feel like I'm 75. I don't feel like I'm 76. My mind is still very young. And I think that's a huge thing because so many people give up on life and I'm glad that mm -hmm. she fought till the end as a breast cancer survivor myself. I know mm -hmm. that her struggle wasn't easy and right. to stay positive through it all, to still feel that joy, to want to live, to have dreams and goals. That's a big thing. And this may be part of the reason why I am doing what I'm doing now is because I don't know how long I have left on this earth. I don't, I could be hit by a bus tomorrow, but I just want to enjoy everything that life has to offer. And that's basically what I'm doing. And I don't want to do it alone. And nothing so, wrong with that. Yeah. It's a personal choice we all make. And that's the beauty right. of life today that you can choose different lifestyles and do mm -hmm. so at least semi openly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not totally. Right. <laughs> but but somewhat openly. Mm -hmm. I think I think it's great that you found your niche, that you found something that makes you happy. And who is anybody to judge you for it? It's your money. It's your life. Why the hell not? You know, it's funny that people that are in that quote unquote lifestyle, they don't really talk about it much, maybe with their closest friends, but it's not like they talk about with their family or in group settings, right? Because nobody wants that stigma of being a sugar baby or a sugar daddy. I certainly don't talk about it at the club uh, where I'm a member of or with my family. But when you get those people in a room together, it is an amazingly happy, joyful family because they all have a like mindset. I had a, 
a birthday in March and a famous singer Dua Lipa came to town. She's one of my favorites. So I bought a suite, a 22 person suite. And I did something really crazy. I invited my current sugar babies and past sugar babies that people I was still friends with. And then people that had been on my podcast and people from, you know, the show and everything. And I just wanted to see how they would react when they all got in one room. And it was a big love fest because they're, they all are in the same lifestyle. They all have it in common and they had the best time. We really, really enjoyed each other's company and the openness and the honesty that we're all, that we're all about. So, you need to invite me, my friend, to one of these events. <laughs> I will be well, gawking. I do have a it birthday every so year. Great. So. You do have a yeah. birthday every year. Next year, I need to be on that list. All right. That's How much deal. fun would that be? Dr. Sexberry showing up with the sugar daddies and the sugar babies. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. We could probably even record a podcast live right there and then. How much fun would that be? <laughs> like 20 questions yep. for everybody. So how can people find you online? Well, we have a website secrets of a sugar daddy.com and you can share your crazy sugar dating stories or even ask questions. We read a lot of listener mail on, on our show and it, uh, we, we give good advice and get feedback from other, the other co-hosts and guests. And then you can find us on Instagram, uh, secrets of a sugar daddy. We post lots of fun stuff, even TikTok. Now I, I need to take, um, I think I think a cue from you because you seem to be doing really well on TikTok and we haven't developed our page yet to that extent. But we have a lot of good, I guess, content that we really want to get out there. But, yeah, we're on all the social media. No, I'm having a good time on TikTok. It's so much fun. Mm -hmm. And 32, 33 million views later, it's it's been quite the revolution. Yeah. And then only in about three months, zero dollars in promotion. This is completely organic growth. That's the best part. That these are engaged followers. They comment, they like, they share. You know, there's That's there's amazing. a lot of activity there. So yeah, I mean, it tells you that there's a need in society for what I do. And clearly mm-hmm. what you do, people are very curious about. So I think you'd yeah, be great on TikTok. A little bit taboo and, you know, just people don't know a lot about it. I think we had a really good episode from actually a girl that was in our studio rec- helping us record the podcast. She was a sound engineer and we showed up one day And she started asking all these questions about sugar dating. And we're like, oh, my God, you need to be on the show Mm -hmm. because these are great questions. So if you go to Apple or Spotify or wherever you find uh, your your podcast or even our website, episode 32 is basically great questions for anybody that wants to know anything about sugar dating from an outsider. And we answer all those questions and you'll get a great idea of, you know, what it's all about. How great is that? I actually got another question. So do you ever go out with two sugar babies at once? Two sugar babies at once. I know that people have done that. Um, I actually have had my first threesomes uh, being a sugar daddy. It was interesting for me. I've had a couple of them. I'm one of these guys, though, that I just prefer one-on-one. But I didn't know that. I thought, oh, this is an unbelievable fantasy of mine, but I don't know. I just, I really prefer the energy uh, of connecting to one person at a time, but that's just me personally. Hmm. So many things you taught me today. So many things. And (laughs) like I told you earlier, my staff can't wait to hear this episode. They think this is going to be so much fun. And it is, this is a great episode. 
Well, Marcus, thank you so much for coming on the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast. This has been a great conversation. And to you, my listeners, thank you for making the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast a worldwide hit. We are currently on the U.S. charts at number 47 and higher elsewhere around the world. And when I say around the world, we're talking countries including but not limited to Sweden, Greece, Romania, Saudi Arabia, hello Saudi Arabia, UAE, Pakistan, Qatar, Bahrain, Cambodia, Nepal, the Philippines, Singapore, Malaysia, Nigeria, Ghana, Sri Lanka, and Trinidad and Tobago. This podcast is in the top 10% of podcasts globally. For that and more, I thank you. Please don't forget to leave me a five-star review and do share this podcast with family and friends. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast today. I would love to continue this conversation with you. If you would like to get in touch with me, email me at askme at drsexfairy.com. Don't forget to follow this podcast and leave me a five-star review. And make sure you follow my blockbuster hit TikTok account, Dr. Sex Fairy.